You are listening to From Sobriety to Recovery with Jesse Mogul, episode 61. Welcome to the show. Hello, 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 my friends. Welcome back to From Sobriety to Recovery. I am your host, Jesse Mogul, and I am in addiction recovery. Oh boy, oh boy. So if you listened to episode 60, not if, but I know you did, then you know that this episode is going to be about setting up some impossible goals for the second quarter. Now, because I generally shoot these things a week apart, and I literally just hit stop on episode 60 and have gone straight into episode 61 with about 15 minutes to stretch my body, take some water, coffee, soda water, and um, there's really no precursor to this. Like there normally is a little bit of five or 10 minutes about how my week's been because it's been 15 minutes since I finished that last podcast. I do hope so much that it didn't go on too long. Um, I do get very rah, rah, rah. This is definitely something I know about myself. And I've come to the determination that I believe everybody needs a cheerleader. And before we get into impossible goals, let me cover this real quick because this came to mind the other day. Um, There's been a gentleman who hit me up on Facebook and wrote just the most amazing, I wouldn't even call it like a testimonial, but just he just wrote some really amazing words. And if you're friends with me, um, I think it's public actually. So if you go over to my Facebook page, Jesse Mogul, you'll be able to read it. Um, I won't use people's names on air because... They didn't give permission for that, but that is posted in a public forum. So by all means, please go look. And so I started to message him on the back end to just find out what was going on in his in his life. And um, I said some stuff that was pretty uplifting. You know, that was my goal was to just let him know, like, hey, man, you know, I I just I, I see what you're doing. I see the hard work that you're putting in, even if I can't be there every single second of the day. I know that what you're doing is taking a lot of effort and. Um, as much as I would love to be able to stay on these message threads with any number of you that I've been able to contact, um, you know, life gets in the way. He's got to go to work. I've got to go to work. There's other things to do, right? So it's a lot of the times our communication in Instagram or Facebook might be a day or two apart. And by no means am I doing that to be coy or because I'm just flippantly ignoring the conversation that we had. It's just there's a lot of a lot of things going on. And first and foremost, I'm always being very mindful of uh, my own sobriety and recovery and how much time I'm spending on social media and what it is um, that I'm not doing in my in my um, reality life versus that virtual, right? So if, if we're conversating on there, just please understand that there is um, there's a reason that I, I very much um, try to temper how much time I'm on those apps, but that's besides the point. I, I guess I'm just trying to let you know that I'm you're on my mind and I'm thinking of you. And whenever I'm thinking of some of y'all and I'm able to get on there, I, I just I like to be that cheerleader for you. I like for you to know that even though I'm not there to see every little second of your life and to know how hard you're working, I know that you're working hard because you're listening to shows like this. You're listening to my show. You're telling me about the books that you read. You're telling me about the family members in your house that you're taking care of during the quarantine. You're telling me these things, and I know that you're working hard, and so I want to be your cheerleader. So when I get 
on these soapbox tangents during the show, it's because I know that you can have whatever it is that you want to have in your life. I know, I know you can. Because I, I believe this about myself. I believe I can have whatever I want. Within reason, right? I can't be an NBA basketball player. I can't start on the Chicago Bears as running back. Um, I can't probably even be a water boy at this stage of my life, right? So when I say impossible goals like we're going to talk about, it's within reason. If you're sitting here thinking that you're going to, I want to fly. I want to teleport. Okay, well, then let's reel it in. You know, let's talk to Elon Musk 7.0 in uh, 200 years, and maybe he'll have helped us figure that out. The point is that I think I believe everybody needs a cheerleader and I want to be that cheerleader for you. I want to be that person who roots you on, gets in your ear and says that positive affirmation stuff like a coach would at halftime when he knows his team is capable of more and he just wants them to start to see that within themselves. They go out and they kick the ass and they win the game and everybody is cheering at the end. I'm that person for you. I remember one time getting up to speak and um, the introduction for me comes on and I get the microphone and I walk out in the middle of the stage and I stand up in front of everybody and I just look around. I just gather in everybody's energy and just see where they're all at. And I, I mean, you stand on stage without saying anything after you're handed a microphone for 20 seconds. Anyone who was looking at their phone and ignoring you all of a sudden is very, very much looking right at you. <laughs> Because they're like, what is this dude doing? Why isn't he talking? And the first thing I said was, I am 24 months sober this week. And the whole crowd erupts in applause. People, Some people are standing up, but the, the applause is loud. And I just remember right after I said that, I go... That's not, that's not why I'm here to speak to you today, but I think that everybody should wake up to applause in the morning. And I got a big laugh out of the entire crowd. And I will start a lot of my speeches off that way. One, it humanizes me. It brings a laugh. It gets people's blood pumping because they're, they're cheering and they're clapping. And two, I, mean, I really do think that everybody should wake up to applause in the morning. <laughs> it feels really great. It feels really, really great. It's 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 not feeding the ego as much as it's just like to have everybody looking at you and applauding. If this has ever happened to you uh, at work or in school, you've done something great and people, even if it's just been your family members and it's like, hey, this awesome thing happened today and everybody comes up and they hug you and they pat you on the back. Like it feels great to know that you're being seen and you're being heard, and that your hard work is being validated. And when I did it that day, it wasn't because I thought applause would come any more than I thought it was because applause would come all the other times that I did it. But when I first got sober, and I would go to places where it wasn't an addiction recovery meeting, it wasn't full of people who were sober, and I would tell people, you know, just I'd be standing up talking, giving a presentation, and I'd say it, people would just start clapping and the middle of the presentation. Like, I'm trying to get a point across. I'm like, yeah, you know, I mean, like, so I got sober 17 months ago, and because of that, and everybody starts, and I'm just like, okay, well, don't mention that in the middle of your presentation unless you want to be interrupted by applause. 
So then I just started saying it at the beginning so that the applause would not interrupt the presentation. <laughs> so if you, are you following this? Like, I, 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 well, I love the applause. It felt great. But at the same time, like when you're in the middle, it'd be like if somebody opened up my bedroom door right now and just started applauding me as I did this podcast, I'd be like, well, thank you. But I'm trying to make a point. <laughs> so can you all, everybody is, you know, it's like the, the stand-up, the, the comedians who do the late night shows and they come out and everybody's applauding. And at some point they're like, okay, seriously, like that's 20 seconds of applause. I've only got 22 minutes of a show and you've just burned through 20 seconds of it. Everybody sit down. Let me get into my monologue. So I just started doing it at the beginning and it just felt so great and it felt so uplifting. And then I realized at a very early stage in this that one of the reasons I was going to want to launch a podcast and I was going to want to have these conversations with you all is because you may not always have people cheering you on and applauding you like that. And so I can stand here and I can <laughs> applaud you today. And I can say uplifting things because I believe you need to hear them. I believe that you want to hear them. I believe that there's a desire inside of us. Every one of us has that little child who just wants mommy, mommy, or daddy, daddy to look as we do the flip or we hit the ball or we get the A or we do something great. Every human wants that. We want that connection. We want to be validated. We want people to see us and hear us and feel us and understand that, man, I have worked my freaking ass off to be sober for one day. Or I have worked my ass off to grow and understand my emotions on a level I never thought I could. And I've been doing this for day after day after day for over 1,195 days. I'm coming up on 1,200 days soon. And I only know that because on my 39th 39 month anniversary, I was at 1,186 days and I posted that on Instagram. So I'm like, okay, well, in about two weeks, which is coming up, um, I will hit 1,200 days. I'm going to post that. That's a pretty cool number, right? So I'm your cheerleader. And that's why these little soapbox tangents go on because I just get so motivational and inspirational. And yes, that's the career that I'm striving to have. It is the life that I believe I was put on this planet for. I learn things. I bring those things to people who also want to learn them. And through my guidance and my inspiration and the motivation, they are able to absorb in and then they inspire themselves. They motivate themselves. You will learn these things. You will absorb them into your use to, Y-O-U stew, your use to. I don't know if that's a, the best word because use to just sort of rambles it makes it sound like it's one word. Maybe I'll come up with a better way of saying you stew, but it, it's your stew. And all the things I'm putting into your head that you're allowing in there, that you're welcoming in, that becomes the essence of your addiction recovery. And you're going to go to an AA meeting or a refuge meeting or SMART, or you're going to go onto a Zoom meeting, whatever it is, and you're going to hear somebody else say something and it's going to trigger a thought in you. And you're going to think, wow, I really need to learn more about that. I literally need to know more about that. And it's going to come from the most random of places. I'm watching a show last night called Little Fires Everywhere. And it's on Hulu. And it's got Reese Witherspoon. And, um, oh, goodness gracious. I can't remember the other woman's name. Carrie, Carrie Washington? Carrie Washington. And um, in it, they're, at some point, they're having this conversation between the two of them. And they said, and they say something, and I put it into my notes. And this is how random these 
thoughts will come into your head that you'll just have to like write down. I have little notes. I call it uh, podcast topics on my iPhone. Uh, what are the parts? So this is so this is the quote that came, and we're going to get into the impossible goals from this because I, I want you to think about this as you're thinking about your limiting beliefs from last week, and you're thinking about your impossible goals that you're going to set up for quarter two, which is April, May, June, right? right? Your, your impossible goal. What is something that you've always wanted to do that you just think, man, I just don't know if I can t- pull that off. I just think that that's not possible for me. This was the quote. And again, you, you hear things from the most random of places. So I really highly encourage all of you to have some sort of note in your phone uh, around you that you can take these little gems down because if you don't, they're going to get lost. Right? And you just never know where that one little sentence will spark this great um, this great web of creativity where you start to connect all of these different dots where all of a sudden you're, the things you learned in AA or maybe you read in Refuge or maybe you saw on a website, all of a sudden you start to connect this spider web and it becomes this entire beautiful, beautiful web of your newest reality. Right, you watch a spider create a web, and it's just one string after another. You come back seven hours later, and it's like the most beautiful thing that a creature ever could put together. That's how your life is. You're just stringing all these little things together, and before you know it, it's beautiful. So I heard this sentence, and it made me. It is. I I started repeating it in my head so I wouldn't forget, because I didn't want to just pick up the phone while I'm watching the show. But then I I had to get it out of my head, and this is what the two characters said to one another. What are the parts of ourselves that we're afraid to talk about, that we're afraid to look at? I added, afraid to bring into the light. What are the parts of ourselves that we're afraid to talk about? I think that's where they stopped the quote. I added, what are the parts of ourselves that we're afraid to talk about? I add, afraid to look at, afraid to bring into the light. What are the parts of yourselves that you're afraid to bring into the light? What are the parts of yourselves that you're afraid to take a deep, deep look at? Whatever part of yourself that you're afraid to look at, that you're afraid to know about yourself, that you're afraid to bring out into the light, there is a very strong possibility that many of your addiction anchors and and what led you to the path that you got to, that brought you to me, that brought you to AA that brought you to refuge, that brought you into addiction recovery, there's a very, 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 very strong possibility that the things that you did not want to know about yourself, the things that you did not want to think about yourself, and the things that you were afraid to bring in to the light were the exact reasons that led you down the road of addiction. And I really do believe that we're led down the road of addiction by ourselves, by the limiting beliefs that were put into us, Right, we start to use um, these addictive substances as medicine for something that's going on in our lives. We're trying to fix the symptoms, but we're not trying to find a cure. And if you go back and start to look at your life, right, I, I, I feel strongly about this led down the path because my brother has the same bloodline that I do. And he felt very strongly that if he monitored his drinking and he stayed away from drugs, that he wouldn't have to fall down the same pathway that everybody else in the family had. And it, it worked. He has his life that he has now in his young 30s. I have the life I have now in my young 40s. And they're very different We're both successful in our own right, but the path that we took to get there is completely different because I went headstrong into addiction and he chose not to. The limiting belief I had was that I was bound to be an addict because my dad had it 
and my grandfather had it, and my aunt had it, and other people in the family had it. I didn't bother to look at the people in the family who didn't. I thought those were anomalies. I thought, oh, well, they're just special. Something different happened with them. I read somewhere that it skips a generation or that it skips a certain person. So they're just the lucky ones. And so as we start to discuss these impossible goals, and for any of you who have um, taken my recommendation to go listen to Brooke Castillo at the Life Coaching School, you can find her podcast on iTunes. You can Google Brooke Castillo. She's, oh, she's, got, she's pretty much out there. And if you go and, you, and you've ever listened to her talk about impossible goals, massive action versus passive action, I have no doubt that you're starting to see similarities between what I talk about and what she talks about, the words that come out of my mouth and the words that come out of her mouth. If you really are a, what, are the, what is that saying? That you, that you are a combination of the five people that you hang out with the most, Right. So if my mentality towards my addiction recovery, if the way that I treat my life coaching, if the way that I treat my podcasting, if the way that I'm treating the um, public speaking, the way that I treat all of these things, I want it to be the best possible version I can put out there. Then I'm going to go out and I'm going to find people I think are kicking ass and rocking it and taking names later. And I'm going to be the one who mimics them. And I'm going to take all of the things that I can from them and turn it into my stew inevitably the things that they say are going to sound extremely similar to what I say. There's only so many ways to put words in order to make sentences. (laughs) So it's just like I'm a little amazed that certain songs being played by musicians don't sound like other people's songs because like, I mean, I get that there's, you know, six different notes on the chords on a guitar. Um, I learned them recently. It's like um, Easter bunnies always get dizzy. Get no Easter bunnies get dizzy at Easter. Easter E B Easter bunnies get G D A E. So I'm teaching myself the guitar because uh, Fender is giving away free lessons for, for the next 90 days. Anyways, I'm rambling. The point is that I'm, she talks about impossible goals. And today on my drive back to my house, I put on one of her podcasts and it was talking about impossible goals. And I'm like, oh, well, this is going to go perfectly with the conversation I wanted to have around limiting beliefs and about setting yourself up to accomplish things that you never thought you possibly could. So if you go back and you listen to, I think it's 316 is her newest episode. A lot of what I'm going to say is going to sound similar to that. She put out, I'm, I'm, I'm one of her scholars, and so in uh, December the 2020, the year of the impossible, um, she puts out a book, and, and I pull a ton of information. I read this stuff so much that after a while, I don't know where she ends and I begin. Just like with Matt Browning, my, my NLP master coach, I don't know where some of the things he says end and what I say begins. The Mike Begales, who who has coached me through so much, you know, the the... I guess those are really the main, the main three. I mean, I got uh, another guy named Deswalt who helps me with my marketing. And he it's like, wow, he says some great stuff. And then there's some things that my book publisher says. And then that becomes me. Everything becomes a part of you. So as you're building these impossible goals, I really want you to start to think, like, who are you surrounding yourself by? If you become an amalgamation, a combination of the five people that you spend the most time around, who are the five people that you're taking in the most information from when it comes to your addiction recovery, when it comes to what you can achieve? 
I'm not going to lie. I hope that for a lot of you, I'm one of those people. Because I believe that the things I talk about, I believe that the way that I bring you this information, I believe that my mindset, the way I've developed my, my, my growth mindset, I believe that it works. And I would be sitting here, uh, it would be the opposite of gratitude and humility if I sat here and said, I hope I'm not one of the people, hope it's somebody else. No, I absolutely hope that I am one of your people. I hope that you have lots of people who are like me, who are cheerleading you on. There are two kinds of tasks that I want you to be thinking of over the next few months. And as you're looking at your limiting beliefs that you're thinking about over what it is you, you can and cannot accomplish. Right? There, there are the possible goals and there are the impossible goals. Now, these possible goals are ones that, relatively speaking, don't take a whole lot of effort to accomplish. Things that you definitely know you can do, you just have to decide if you want to do. By now, I would imagine many of you have the cleanest house you've ever had in your entire life. Or some of you could be living in absolute squalor because you see no reason to possibly clean because the coronavirus zombies are only days away from knocking at your door and saying, brains, brains. (laughs) But for a lot of you, a, a very possible goal is cleaning your garage cleaning out your attic, cleaning out your closet, organizing your refrigerator, spending more time with your kids, going on a walk every night after dinner, going on a drive through the country and looking at pretty flowers. You can definitely social distance in your car. Possible goals are things that just take the determination to get up and start to do. For me, a very possible goal Every week is this podcast. So I get up and I think, what are some things I've learned this week? What are some notes that I've put in my phone? Let's go look at those and let's see which one of those I can develop into an entire episode. I want you to sit back and look around and think about your life and what are 25 things. She's the one who threw out that number. I think it's, I think it's a good number. I'm down to be 34, maybe 17, maybe whatever, whatever number you want. I have another guy who specializes, Tom Rigsby, uh, my brother's father-in-law, my beefle. He, he He's definitely somebody in my inner circle. And, you know, he talks about how don't make your to-do list so obnoxiously long that it seems like it's overwhelming and it can't be completed. So he would say, make up a list of those 25 tasks that you want to accomplish around your house. And each day, put down a, a priority to do that one or make it a focus. You've heard me talk about priorities and focus countless times. You get one priority a day, you get four focuses, right? So focusing on uh, organizing your closet could be what you do today. And if you leave it as one of your focuses, focuses don't have to get done today, but they're things that you can be doing while you're waiting for the, the priority. If the priority is to make a Zoom meeting at four o'clock. You've got all day long to be accomplishing things till that priority shows up at four o'clock. That's what you can be working on your focuses. And if a day or two or three pass by and that one focus hasn't gotten done, it needs to be moved to priority so it can get done and moved on so that you can walk away from the day feeling like it was a win. So that's what these impossible that's what these possible goals can be. You want to organize your fridge. You want to do something that's very possible. It just takes getting on a list. 
It's the impossible goals that are the ones that hold us back. It's the impossible goals that we're afraid to take on because we don't want to fail. The problem with being afraid of failing on these impossible goals is that in the process of trying to protect ourselves from this perceived failure we'll have about ourselves if we don't accomplish this impossible goal, is that we take on that limiting belief that, well, that's impossible. I can't possibly accomplish it. So I'm not even going to put it on the list. And I talked about this in the last episode. Put it on the list. You may not want to try it today, but six months or a year from now, you might. Or you might look back at this list and go, wow, I once thought that was impossible. Now that's, man, I already did it. Or now, you know what? I realized that wasn't even something I ever really wanted to do. Or I realized that was something stupid and I have no, no interest in doing that. But if you can't get it out of your head and onto paper, you can't even begin to make the decisions about whether it was good, bad, right, wrong, all those other things, which again are just subjective. Good, bad, right, wrong. Most of the time, those things are subjective based on your own experiences and how it will or will not benefit you. Robbing somebody at gunpoint is wrong in society, regardless of what you think about it. Buying all the toilet paper, even though society says you can buy whatever you want, that's some people might think, yep, that's right. Some people might think it's wrong. Some people might say, hey, hoard away. Other people might be say, leave some for other people. That's where the subjective right, wrong, good, bad comes in, right? There are certain things that are just blatantly wrong. You just don't do as a responsible human and member of any kind of society. There's other things that are more subjective. And it's within these things that are subjective, you have to start to decide for yourself, is it something that you want to put your time toward? Is it something you want to work on? Is it something that you really want to prioritize in your life? Do you want to prioritize playing the guitar? You're going to have to unprioritize something else. If you wanted to play the guitar and you want to play the drums, but you've only got 30 minutes a day to practice an instrument, you can't possibly do both. You can try 15 minutes on each, or you could just focus on the guitar for a year. Again, right, wrong, good, bad, it's it's subjective. I say you can't, you say you can. I say you can, you say you can't. All subjective but you have to figure out what it is you're willing to prioritize. You go into these things thinking that, well, if you think that you're going to fail, then your brain will inevitably get it inside. It will tell itself that, if, well, I think I'm going to fail, so why should I even try? You hear kids with this. Oh, you know, I want to go out for the band or I want to go out for the play, but this person's better than me and I'm, I'm not going to get it, so why should I even try? Not being in the play at all at seven years old sucks compared to being the tree in the play, even though I wanted to be the moon. I have a story about wanting to be in the play, the man on the moon and crying and all this other stuff, and I won't dive into it now because uh, that could be five minutes of story. But the point is, is like I'd rather have been the tree than have been in the audience. If you don't even try, that's failing. You think by not trying to learn how to cook, you've always wanted to make um, triple-layered carrot cake with cream cheese frosting, but you don't know how to bake. So I'm not even going to try because I might burn it. It might fall apart. It might taste like crap. So you're not even going to try. Well, that's failing in and of itself. You failed before you even tried. Is your cake going to taste as good as Sarah Lee or, I don't know, whatever. The only other person I can think of is some woman named Dean because she used to put a ton of butter in shows and stuff on a cooking show. 
um, Paula Dean. She put a ton of butter on stuff. Now that I th- now that I say her name out loud, I think she said some racist stuff too and got shunned from society. I don't know. That's not the reason I'm bringing her up. Just let that part go. <laughs> Whatever she said, I did. I do. I do recall that now. But I do also remember before she said the bad things, which are not good that she said. But again, not part of this conversation. She t- put a ton of butter and stuff, right? So you may not. You may make a cake and it may not taste as good as Mrs. Butterworth over there. But the point is that you tried. And if you didn't try, you wouldn't even know. And there's so many things in life that if we don't try, we don't know. And then we wake up a year, two, three, and we're like, man, what if I had just tried? Not trying is a bigger failure than trying and not having it turn out as great as you would have liked. You lose out on these experiences. You lose out on the opportunity to pick up a new skill, passion, talent, hobby, whatever it might be. You lose out on the learning that comes from the quote unquote failing. And failing doesn't, it's not really failing because it's feedback on how to do it differently, perhaps even better the next time. I've recently started cooking my meals with more flavor um, because I'm being told multiple times that while I do eat healthy, I'm not putting a lot of effort. To me, it's like, you know, throw a chicken breast in a a sizzling pan and steam up some carrots and broccoli and call it a day. Or or you can cook up that chicken, put it to the side, throw some onions and some peppers and some black beans into a pan, cook all that up, put, put that on top of the chicken, melt a little cheese, throw a little cilantro on there. All of a sudden, that meal is super freaking delicious, and I've only added a modicum of calories that I was allowed to have anyway, so I'm still on my nutrition strategy, but now my food tastes way, way, way more delicious. I say that because I'm picking up a new skill in the kitchen, how to add maybe 100, 150 calories per meal, and I'm one of those people who puts all this food in in an app, right? Because I, I believe it's like, if you're studying for a test, you don't just read an entire book you might have to at the end of the semester, but certainly during the during the semester, the teacher's saying, hey, the, the, the test is on page 45 to page 145. It's those 100 pages. Read those 100 pages. Well, if they didn't tell you that and you just read the whole book, but it was only really on 100 pages, then it's like, how do you know that you were studying the right material? How do you know that you were putting the right information in your head? For me to know that I'm working out and trying as hard as I can, I have to keep track of my food. By knowing what I put into my body, it removes any guilt that I might have from having three or four cookies for dessert. Because I know I had the calories to spare. I know that I'm not going off the reservation with my dietary strategy as much as I normally would be. This is why we're having you write these limiting beliefs down. This is why I want you to write down your impossible goals. This is why I want you to write down the possible goals. Cleaning the fridge, organizing the garage, spending 30 minutes a day, reading a book to your kid, whatever it might be. These things that are very, very, very tangible, I want you to write them down and I want you to put them on your calendar. And these impossible goals, these are the ones that could take weeks and months and years. For me to have Ryan Reynolds' body from the movie Waiting is going to take me years to attain. Or it takes me a year. I don't know. But I'm going to keep pushing for it. Why? Because I saw it in that movie. I think it's hilarious. And I was like, wow, the dude, he's in a comedy movie about a restaurant and he looks like he's ready to play a superhero. I was like, that would be pretty cool if I could work out. You have to have a vision board, 
Right? You gotta have a vision board. What are you envisioning? What is it you're wanting? What is that impossible goal that you can envision that you've always wanted for yourself? Thinking if I do not try this, then I do not fail is a lie you are telling yourself. Because you want to keep away that huge disappointment of not accomplishing something. But I'm telling you right now, it still brings about that smaller version of disappointment. Because we know in our minds that we didn't even try at all. And that hurts too. Having a crush on somebody and not going up and introducing him introducing yourself to them and starting up a conversation instead looking at them and saying, yeah, they probably wouldn't like me anyways, or they're, they're too cool, or they're too rich, or they're too pretty, or they're too handsome, whatever it might be, right? Um, so I'm not going to. Then you don't do it with that person, and you don't do it with the next person, and the next, and the next, and the next, and the next. Before you know it, you spent your entire life telling yourself that everybody that you see that you have a crush on, that you think is cool, that you'd like to get to know better, and maybe even go out on a date with, everybody you've ever seen like that is too good for you. So you never even tried because you didn't want to have them laugh in your face or you didn't want to have to hear them say no. So you didn't even try. And now here you are in your 20s, 30s, 40s, hell, maybe you're even in your teens, whatever it might be. You've put that limiting belief in your head that everybody's better than you. So why even try? So then you'll take anything that comes up and hits on you, even if that person's poison and bad for you, and it's a bad relationship, and it hurts you more than it helps you, and they're abusive mentally, physically, emotionally, spiritually, whatever that might look like. This is how we get ourselves in bad relationships when we're addicts. We think we're worthless pieces of shit. So why would anybody love me? So if anybody even shows me a modicum of love, even the insiest bit, even if it comes with a hell of a ton of bad, bad, bad things that complicate our lives and actually make it worse, whatever. At least this person's willing to tolerate me while I drink a handle of vodka and smoke 17 blunts a day. Rather than take on that disappointment we might have from going up to somebody we know is good for us, that we know is healthy for us, or at least we think that, no. We don't want to take on that disappointment, but instead we'll take on the disappointment of letting all of these, these slugs in our lives. That's addictive mindset. We're not that mindset anymore. Now we're taking on a new mindset. And it's within these impossible goals that we start to realize that anything we put our prioritization to, we can achieve. Anything that we want to achieve is possible through hard work, determination, discipline, Learning from failure is the greatest thing that happens to humans. Learning from failure is what makes people great. Right now, they're doing this Michael Jordan 10-part episode on ESPN. And again, I'm bringing up sports again, and whether you like them or not, inevitably, there's a great chance you've heard of Michael Jordan. They're doing this 10-part thing on ESPN. When he gets into the NBA, he lights it up, scores tons of points, but can't seem to get very deep into the playoffs. Then failing, failing, failing. Can't get deep in the playoffs. Keeps failing. Keeps failing in the playoffs. Finally makes it to the Eastern Conference Finals. Two years, back-to-back, has to go up against the Detroit Pistons. They spank his ass and his whole team. They're left humiliated, leave the, leave the court. Failed, 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 failed. He learned each time from that failure. When he finally broke through and won his first championship, he ended up winning three in a row. He retired to go try baseball because he had a growth mindset and thought, you know what? My dad loved baseball. My dad just passed away. I'd love to be able to see if I can play professional baseball. He wasn't as good as baseball as he was at basketball. So he went back to basketball, 
won three more championships in a row. Even when he first came back from baseball, he tried to come back and think he could just show up halfway through the season and go off and win an NBA championship, and he failed. But it was within those failures that he learned how to be a champion. It is within these failures, again, which are really just feedback options. Failure, feedback, keep in mind, I'm using the word failure, but really it's just a feedback opportunity on how to do it better the next time. So what Michael Jordan learned, wow, the Detroit Pistons are smacking me around all over the place. I should go on and put 20 pounds of muscle on. Then when they try to smack me around, I'm stronger than them. And it worked. So it wasn't really failure as much as it was a feedback opportunity, but there will be times when the word failure will come out of my mouth, and I just want you to always remember that it's not failure, that it's feedback. Learning from these feedback opportunities, these failures, is the greatest thing you can ever do for yourself. I have a quote up on my wall that Brooke said, I am willing to fail repeatedly for the sake of the impossible goal. On my, on my wall, I put up some impossible goals. I wanted to give 150 speeches this year at colleges and addiction centers. I wanted to make six figures in earnings. I wanted to leave my hotel job. These were just based on my career. Because of corona, a lot of these things are going to be much, much more difficult to, to accomplish. But it doesn't mean that I'm changing them. Are you willing to fail repeatedly for the sake of your impossible goal? Are you willing to feel less than for the sake of your impossible goal? You might be you, you might be feel embarrassed or humiliated. And again, those are just things you're choosing to feel about yourself. If you try to go off and learn how to do a backflip and you fall and people watch you and laugh at you, you can either choose to feel humiliated and embarrassed because you fell while trying to learn to take it, to do a backflip or you can just continue teaching yourself to do a backflip and one day you land it and those same three those same people who are laughing at you are now in awe that what you once couldn't do you now can people who point and laugh are afraid to do the things that you're doing no one who knows how to do a backflip is going to point and laugh at you as they watch you teach yourself to do a backflip No one ahead of you who has integrity, humility, and gratitude is ever going to laugh at you as you're trying to learn something that will bring them closer to where they are at. If anything, they are going to want to help. The people pointing and laughing, the ones that you are allowing to make you feel embarrassed or humiliated, are the ones who are too afraid to try. So they will laugh because in that laughing, they can feel comforted in themselves knowing that they are not trying to do something that you are. They are not even beginning to push themselves outside of their comfort zone when it comes to doing a backflip. If they were pushing themselves out of their comfort zone to teach them some new passion, talent, skill, or hobby, they would understand how to support somebody else doing the same thing. So I want you to sit down and I want you to write out some things within your career, self, or relationship sphere that you think are impossible. That you think are too difficult for you to go. Goo. Let's go do. I want when you're writing these down. I want you to be to pay attention to and think about how the limiting beliefs are playing into why you think that's impossible. Are how are the limiting beliefs deciding what is possible and impossible for you? 
Because if, if something just takes time and effort, then it's not impossible. It just isn't possible to you yet. One of the reasons I love working out so much is I realize that as long as I'm willing to eat right and push myself in the gym, then my muscles will grow. Will I ever look like Ryan Reynolds? I don't know. But I, it's worth having on the vision board to be pushing myself toward. When it comes to my career and giving 150 speeches and making six figures, and those are, those are things that aren't always in my control. I can call a thousand places and they, they might all say no. I can offer my coaching to a thousand people and they might all say no. I can just do my best to be the best version of myself when I'm in front of the colleges, when I'm in front of the people who would want to hire me as their coach, but I can't make them. But when it comes to the gym, I can push myself. I can make that happen at whatever speed it happens at. When it comes to your addiction recovery, you can choose to read a new book that opens your mind to a new way of thinking, or you can choose to just follow the same way of thinking that you always have. Knowing the difference between a possible goal and an impossible goal will help you declutter your list of impossible goals. And the ones that are possible, move them to the possible list. If you've ever heard of SMART goals, specific, measurable, attainable, realistic, and timely, is your goal specific? I want to make $100,000 this year is not a specific goal. I want to get 100 clients that allow me to make $100,000 is a specific goal. I want to lose 20 pounds is a specific, okay, that's half specific. I want to lose weight, not a specific goal. I want to lose 20 pounds, sort of kind of getting better. At least you know how much weight you want to lose. I want to lose 20 pounds by running every day for 30 minutes and eating broccoli instead of potato chips. That's a specific goal. Can you measure it? Yes. If you're trying to lose weight, you can weigh yourself every day and keep a chart and watch your weight go down. Is it attainable? I mean, if, if you only weigh 20 pounds, then losing 20 pounds is not attainable. If you weigh 250 pounds, losing 20 pounds, pretty damn attainable. Is it realistic? You know, are you confined to your bed and you can't walk? Okay, then losing 20 pounds can be a lot more difficult. All your, your body works, all your faculties are in place. Okay, now we're talking very, very attainable and timely. You have to give yourself a timeline. Brooke is pushing that constantly. Impossible goal for this quarter? Fine. What's an impossible goal for this quarter? Figure out a way to make, you know, we're, we're all sort of in a job flux right now. Maybe this is the best time to, to change careers. You're an office assistant and you've always wanted to be a plumber. Okay. You think it's impossible to become a plumber because you don't have the time to study. All right. Start sitting down and figuring out ways that you can make that go from impossible to possible. Write down an impossible goal for your career. Write down an impossible goal for yourself. And write down an impossible goal for your relationships. I mean, it's got to be out there too, guys. Trying to make $100,000 a year as a life coach and a speaker when I've barely made a third of that on any one of these given years over the last few? Come on. That's some tough stuff right there. She'd say make it more. She'd say make it a million. She'd say, you want to you go to 30 meetings in 30 days? She'd say, make it 60 meetings in 30 days. Make it super freaking impossible. 
Because it's in striving for that impossible that you learn how to push yourself even when the chips are down, even when you think there's no way of doing it. Emotional and mental discomfort discomfort will come from this. Those are good things. So come up with an Come up with multiple impossible goals for your career, for yourself, and for your relationship sphere. And then sit back and and really look at and and ask yourself, are those really that impossible? Move the ones that aren't really that impossible to the possible list and start to put them in your calendar to do during this quarantine. And the ones that are super impossible, the ones that actually do take a long time, we're going to discuss next time massive versus passive action, which again is something that she drilled into my head. And within that, you'll be able to start taking actual steps towards your impossible goal. A little idea, a little precursor to that massive versus passive is just keeping in mind that like passive action for me to become a, a, a public speaker and a life coach is spending 17 hours on my website, tinkering around with the logo and messing around with what pictures are there. Right? Like you want to have a website. You need to have a website. People need to know that they can find you on the web. Sitting there and spending 17 hours tinkering around with the padding and the margins and where the photos are, that's passive action. Massive action is calling up the school and saying, hey, would you like to come on the podcast? Hey, I'd like to come out and do a book signing there. Hey, I'd like to come out and do a presentation. Massive action when it comes to being a life coach looks like calling people up. Asking them, do they, would you like some one-on-one coaching? Would you like to join my mastermind? Passive action would be, what would be passive action? Probably the way I've been doing it. Randomly hinting about it and sort of kind of talking about it, but never really inviting anybody to come do it. Passive action would be learning how to be a life coach, even though I have tons of skills already for that. But oh, I need to learn this one more skill. Got to learn this one more skill. When massive action says, go start life coaching, which I've done, but it's like, have I done it on the scale I want to? No. I want to help thousands in a year, not just hundreds. Massive action is starting that. Passive action is just talking about it. Impossible goals are only impossible because we don't even realize what we're possible of doing. Take those limiting beliefs in the last episode and start to run these impossible versus possible goals through the things that you believe about yourself. And when you have this list of impossible goals of making seven figures at your job or becoming the boss when you're currently like the low-level employee of having the best connection you've ever had with your partner, of being able to lift one and a half times your body weight, whatever it might be, It might seem, again, like I said last episode, and I'll leave you on this, what you think is possible, other people think is impossible. And what you think is impossible, other people think is possible. What bridges us is the fact that we've tried and the experience we have and even attempting to go after those quote-unquote possibles and impossibles. The more you try at something, the more feedback you get on how to do it better the next time. And before you know it, what you once thought impossible is possible. And all that ends up happening is some other goals that you think are impossible slide into there. But you don't really think they're impossible anymore because you've already done so many things that you once thought impossible that you now know are possible that these once thought of impossible goals just become possibilities that you have not prioritized yet. And next week, 
Next episode, we'll talk about how to take action that will lead you to your best version ever. Thank you so much for your time today. Please go over to Instagram, follow me, tell me what you think about the posts. Just trying to be an uplifting spirit on Instagram. Go to Facebook, leave me some messages. If I'm not noticing your message in my DM, then just leave a comment under one and be like, hey, I left you a message in the DMs. Something that triggers me, I'll get over there as soon as I can. I'll hit you guys back up because it's all about inclusivity over exclusivity. I love you all dearly. I did finish my website recently, jessemogul.com. If you'd love to go over there and check it out, I'm very happy with that. That is something that I uh, that I just got I just finished up during this quarantine. So that was a huge project and that's something I can happily say is done. I'm going to be talking about my life my life's blueprint coaching program that I'm going to be rolling out very soon. So I'm looking to do some massive action with that over this passive action of just randomly talking about how I'm a coach and how I've got a program and actually offering it to you. If that's something that you would like to be a part of, and by all means, you're invited. If you uh, think that you have enough of me once a week because of this show, again, that is fine too. Uh, you know, I am for who I am for and I'm not who for I'm not for. Uh, the point is, is that those that, that desire what it is I talk about and what I offer and they want more of it, that you know that there is now a pathway to attain that. Sit down, write out your impossible goals, and let's talk next time about how we're going to get you into action so that you can accomplish the things that will make you the best version of yourself day in and day out. Remember, every single day is the best day of your life because you woke up sober. I butchered that. Every day is the best day of your life because you woke up sober. The power of positive energy, release and flow. Talk to you guys soon. Bye-bye.